Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and you're listening to the podcast on Prince. Joining me today is Mr. Ant Pooh. Sir, how are you? I am doing well. Got lots and lots and lots of leftovers because it's after Thanksgiving. That's right. And uh, trying to be lazy today, but talk about some Prince at the same time. All right. I feel that. And uh, man, we are going to jump in today. We're going to talk about uh, we recently went out to Minneapolis, uh, specifically Paisley Park, to the Under the Cherry Moon a movie screening event that they had. This was what uh, November twentieth, and uh, just talk about you know what that was like, and also uh, really want to hear Ampoo. This was his first time doing the tour of Paisley Park. Uh, actually, it was first time in the building of Paisley Park. So, with that said, and we'll jump around a little thing. I actually want to just really start right there, like your first time. Going inside Paisley Park, what was that like for you? It was, I, I said, going to the movie theater, it didn't have the, um, the, the gravitas that I was expecting because as you walk into the movie theater, you have to first pass through the merchandise store. <laughs> So, and when know, you say movie theater, and people are like, what? He's talking about the soundstage area. Soundstage area. Well, I mean, movie theater because that's. I'm thinking, you know, we have to watch it there. So you have to um, walk past the merchandise store. So right there, your hit for me was, okay, this ain't Prince's house. Now, I could be totally wrong. Maybe he had a merchandise store before he passed, but I don't think he did. And that was kind of like, whoa. It was like you, it took me kind of out of, I'm going to this place, the house that Prince built the place where he made all of these great albums, all of these great musicians and other artists and, uh, you know, huge influencers that visited Paisley Park. And now you, you walk through the merchandise stand. But once I, you know, got out my feelings on that and walked past there and got into the same soundstage that I think we first um, were made aware of with the uh, Side of the Times, uh, movie, it kind of it kind of really hit me like, wow, this cat Prince built this, and it was freaking huge. Um, we can go more into it on the on the tour. I mean, we got to talking about the tour and what the uh, the tour guy was telling us. But like, if you've ever been to First Ave, my first impression of that was, wow, I can't believe this small thing, this small place club was the uh, the scenes for most of Purple Rain. And then when you go contrast that to the Paisley Park large soundstage, it's just like, oh my God, I had no idea this thing was as huge as it was. The other thing was is that they had a number of different items set up. They had um, a lot of his clothing from musicology. They had a couple of cars in there. The infamous BMW from Gangster Glam. They had a, uh, a couple of the... Uh, equipment as well as two of his suits from uh i'm sorry outfits from under the cherry moon and probably from the parade tour and you just seeing it on display and all of the people there it, it really was kind of amazing i can lie i got a little emotional uh one because he's not there and two because i can't believe the first time i came into paisley park he was no longer with us 
Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've been in there a couple times, but I hadn't been there quite a while. Uh, a year, maybe a year or more. And let me just, I want to back it up a little bit. And I appreciate your perspective of what you said about walking through. You said when you saw the, uh, the merchandise table, I would tell you the very first time that I ever went there, uh, that was the same entrance that I came through uh, when it was the piano on a mic show. And I can't, you know, honestly, I would assume there was a thing they were selling stuff there. It was just a little smaller area, more t over toward the, left of that entrance that we came in but it was the same area that we came in and we walked into that sound stage and um you know this the only difference is uh the side where we sat me and you sat that was the stage was on that side or where prince was playing mm -hmm. and it was just chairs and they had like different risers or chairs up on risers toward the back but it was essentially the same area um, but I just want to say going, driving into it, and I always, it kind of fascinates me the level of security, uh, that they have there and I appreciate it. But when you drive into the parking lot on the side entrance there, you know, there's the guy with the walkie talkie, that's where they check your, see if you got tickets and they check your, I think he checked our ID at that point too, right? Like mm -hmm. we were in yeah. the car. And then, you know, it tell you, okay, go ahead and pull forward. And I assume he's like radio to the next person. Like, hey, I got two. I got two coming. And it, uh, after we left and I thought about it, I was like, this is very interesting that just that level of security. I was like, do they think someone's going to break in here? But because uh, you don't normally go to a museum type of establishment and they do that. But uh, maybe it's just a that was the thing that when Prince was here, it was tight security. I can understand if you had a superstar there, but um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. And then we parked and we, and you go in now to me, this was the first time going there and the Prince symbol, like statue monument is outside. That was the first time I saw that in real life. And it's a very striking uh, monument to see, especially when it was, because it was nighttime and it had the purple lights on it. And I was seeing it in person. I was like, wow, that's a pretty powerful that's a cool thing. Like whoever thought to put that there, it looks really cool. And then, so we go in. So when we get in there, like you said, by the time we got there, everybody had pretty much already had seated. Right. So it was, um, cause I looked at some pictures online. Apparently they had a line outside <clears throat> people, you know, waiting for the doors to open and it was cold as hell out there. So I was like, I'm kind of glad we missed the whole waiting outside <laughs> in the line. Cause I don't know if that would have been popping, but, you know, we get in and uh, one thing I will say, and we'll probably mention this throughout this thing, you know, the, the purple family reunion vibe was heavy. Like there was so many people that uh, hadn't seen in a long time or just people that you may have seen on social media, but had never seen in person type of deal. And so it was a lot of just like, hey, what's up? And you know, all that kind of stuff. What, what did you, what did you, and I, 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 we'll, we'll get into certain things, but I mean, for you and seeing that type of uh, camaraderie, right? It what what did that mean to you? It absolutely humbled me. One of the things was, is after the film play, everybody was just getting around, standing up, uh, mingling with one another. And I walked to the front because I wanted to get a uh, pictures of the screen, the setup and everything. And as I'm walking, and mind you, I have a, a huge 
New York bomber jacket on. I have a, a, a scully on and I have my mask on and I'm walking up there and all of a sudden this lady goes, Apu, Apu, hey, what's up? And I'm looking like, I was go. I point to myself like, yeah, because I'm like, how you know me? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I know you say, oh, you're from the podcast. Oh, I've been seeing you on Mike's uh IG story and live all day. Uh, it was a uh, name is Tamika, and I was like, "Oh wow!" I don't, I don't know why I was just hesitant because it it just was strange. Because I'm like, all you can see is really just my eyes. <laughs> Maybe she recognized the clothes. But I was Maybe she like, recognized the bucket of the eyes. And I was just <laughs> habitual, habitual <laughs> line stepper. Michael, D. I'm starting to wake up. So let's go, Nicola. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that that one right there, that really got to me. And then uh, I think afterwards, we, again, walking through the merchandise, uh, we ran into a couple more people. And she, um, this person telling me how much she loves my contribution to the show and how, um, because of us, um, the, even the non-Prince uh, po- uh, podcast on Prince shows, um, how she's watched a lot of the movies we recommended and even went and got comic books. And I'm just like... Get the fuck out of here! Are you kidding me? <laughs> so yeah, and, and then and then seeing you know all these other people that you know Rodney and Violet Brown and and just more and more people that you know I've seen just their names in uh, a number of different Prince uh, groups as well as on mics and the uh, podcast Juice uh, page. I was just like, this just is amazing. And for me, what. My first time when I went to Minneapolis, uh, that was 2018, um, one of the things that I said after that was that, you know, hey, black folk, if you really want to claim Prince, you need to get your butt out there Uh, because non-black people are out there in mass and showing their love, showing their support, being there, enjoying the vibe and everything. And this, what I also enjoyed a lot was there was a lot of black people there showing their love and support. And, and I'm not saying anything to take away from any non-black people. It was just really great to see that we were showing up and showing out for this particular artist. Hmm, okay. Well, we're going to jump back on that. Um, but just to double back on what you said of just, you know, meeting people and, and hearing some of the people uh, like know you and things like that. <clears throat> and, and let's be clear, too. The last time you were in Minneapolis, was that 2018? Mm-hmm. Was that that was when we had a meet and greet too? So I mean, you obviously, yeah, saw, yeah. you know, saw that sort of love there as well. But no, uh, no, nah, nah, they, oh, they, they, they right. were showing you more love than me. Oh, right. <laughs> some someone was like, "Are you, you big, sexy? You cute? Hilarious? <laughs> Are you cute?" <laughs> uh, 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 Ernie, they drop him. I'm like, no, I'm happy. Oh, oh yeah, I like you too. Wow, this time, <laughs> I was just trying to, trying to pump you up, but anyway, but uh, this this time that they, they definitely specifically showed, me the love. showed you. Yeah. There, there you yeah. go. They and, and we, me okay. and everything. And we want to show some love to to just some people I can remember. And uh, I'm sad that she's not here today. I hope she's okay. Uh, but Violet Brown, uh, we obviously got to see Violet there. Uh, Rodney Fitzgerald, a uh, big salute to that brother. Um, specifically, Rodney had donated items or let them borrow some items the Paisley Park items on display at the event there uh, which was really dope um, 
who else? Uh, Lenny, uh, the Purple Underground, Micah, uh, Eric Rogers and his wife was there. Uh, Tammy uh, was there. And there's a lot of people that I know I'm just going to forget. <laughs> so I'm just trying to do this top of my head. But there was just a lot of people. Uh, Dorothy and uh, Stacy. Uh, ah! There was a lot of people there. It, it, it was great. And what I wanted to say just on that level was there's there's going to be the estate, right? There's going to be the prince estate. There's always going to be the official representation of prince and that type of thing. But in my opinion, the real sort of like meat and potatoes, the real uh, guts, just the real like fan base, family, whatever you want to call it, are the motherfucking fans. Like the... The people who came out for this and have always came out for Prince-related things, that to me is, to me, that's the official estate, you dig? Like, those are the people who's putting up money. You got to remember, people are flying from all over the country, you know, getting hotels, renting cars, getting someone dressed that up. someone came from another country, too. Really? Really? Wow. Those are the, to me, that's the guts of this thing, man. That, and, and I think this event, you know, and basically they were just showing the movie at Paisley Park, but I think it also fell at the right time where people were just wanting that camaraderie, wanting to be in a shared space about something that they love, Prince, and it felt safe enough, you know, after the COVID thing, to come together and just to, connect you know what i'm saying because that to me was just like this is what i remember why i always like to come come here you know uh to me to minneapolis is this um and this can happen no matter what they do you know uh but that to me i just is and i say this to all the the fans fans or family whatever you want to call yourself that have not went to events like this yet please do um Yes, you got to go to Paisley Park if you've never been there. But also, you got to go to some sort of Prince uh, event that is put on by the fans or the fans are going to be there. Because it's just like a it's a it's a certain kind of a, a love that you don't normally get in your normal day to day life. Because a lot of, you know, we work in, we got families, whatever we're doing, we're out doing our thing in the world. But it's just the one place you can come to and it's just like, ah, man, I know that everybody in here loves some goddamn Prince in one way or the other. Right. And like extremely loves it to even to make such a commitment to come out and to do something like that. So I always just cherish that because uh, who knows how long that can always last. Um, you always hear people it's like, man, I never went to such and such. I, you know, I never went to to this before I never got to see him live or I never went to, you know, for me, that's always, I always say I never went to Paisley park. Well, I did once, but I never went back in the day. Like when the original celebrations, I wish I had a win, but now at least I can experience something different and go see that and go see meet meet people and be around people. Um, but I just can't express it enough. Like that is such a, an experience. And I also, let me shout out, uh, Alfonso Star, he had an event 
in D.C. the same night. And I know a lot of fans went to that. And just looking at some of the reactions from it, that's another thing. It's like, that's not some estate plan thing. That's fan base, but it was a love-based thing. That's what I'm going to call it. It was on some love base. And that's something that uh, the Prince community or whatever you want to call it, man, that's some special shit. You know, I, I would equate it to like, well, there's like, you know, comic cons and, and different things that people, they love the cosplay, they love to talk about that or just be in the presence of other people who love that shit. That's what events like this are. Um, so anyway, I got that, all that gooey, gooey shit out the way. Um, but let's talk about the actual event itself. Um, as you mentioned, and, and, and there's a ton of pictures online. Man, they had some of the props and stuff from the movie on display. Specifically, that goddamn car. Yep. <laughs> Christopher Tracy. I, I'm amazed that that thing is in pristine condition in 2021 that they can just roll that out and sit that right there in front of everybody where we all sat, you know, how they had the chairs that was in front of us. I just, that's a head buster to me. Uh, what'd what you think of that, that car, man? Yeah, that was uh, amazing to see that there. And the moment I saw it, I knew exactly what it was from and where, uh, the relevance. Cause, um, you could have mistaken it for the, uh, the uh, car that he rolled out for a love sexy. And, but I just knew. I'm like, oh wow, that's they they they, they stunned on us like this. <laughs> right. That's what they gonna do. Okay, okay. <laughs> exactly. Now if they really wanted to, to uh, treat us right, they're like, yeah, we we gonna let ten people take pictures or something like that inside the car. Oh, but, you, yeah, know, that was... you know, we'd act the goddamn fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, yeah, man, I would have had to jump over the, the seat just like you did in the movie and throw my black ass out quick. <laughs> But yeah, that that definitely was cool that they had it there. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of us, uh, but they also had the uh, uh, Purple Rain motorcycle, and I learned that apparently they had three of those. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that 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 tripped me out because I'm thinking like, oh, they. Well, I don't know why you know knowing it was a film, why I would think that there was only one of those motorcycles. But the fact that there are three, and apparently Prince had all three, that that blew my mind as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a couple of there was a couple of vehicles in the in the soundstage. It we'll get into. But uh, and then they had some of the clothing mm -hmm. uh, from some of the things in the movie. And just walking into that and you see the stuff from the, the movie there. Of course, there are other memorabilia and items from other eras of Prince in there. And it's just a like I said, to me, I just amaze that he had the vision or foresight or whatever it was to keep a lot of this stuff around and store it for years on. Like I just, uh, it amazes me that he did that because he had a lot of looks over the years. And, and the right. fact that he had the cars and stuff, it's like, damn, it's, ah, it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, That's wealth right there. That's wealth. Yeah. Ain't no normal person keeping a hold of right. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the, uh, and so they had a Q&A at the event. They had special guests. It was Dr. Fink and Bobby Z of the Revolution. And they uh, were up there with uh, Andrea Swenson 
and they did a Q&A. I will admit, I was a probably, oh, sorry, I was a little uh, overwhelmed by just being in the building and all the people and all of the stuff that I wasn't as laser focused on what they were saying uh, as I probably should have been. So I don't really remember like a lot of the conversation. I remember more so that they was uh, people started asking questions and people would go up and, and ask questions and stuff. Um, but what did you think of the Q&A part? Well, a couple of things that they mentioned was apparently uh, – Dr. Fink's thing is food. Okay. okay. <laughs> he, he was talking about the food that he had in Paris, the food he had when they were, when they were filming. Uh, apparently that, that's his whole big thing. And he spent a lot of time in the, in the hotel because and outside of uh, filming the one uh, video for girls and boys, um, I think the, ah, I'm sorry, I lost train of thought. Uh, the other thing that they were uh, talking about um, was the um, was the, um, the the contest for the screening of Under Cherry Moon? Yes, yes. And it seemed like uh, Bobby Z and Fink were like whether it was it was a uh, 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 authentic or not that uh, that that place was chosen. They were trying to. There was uh, I forget which one said it, but uh, they were intimating that MTV pulled a prank on. <laughs> by <laughs> selecting that person and flying them out to Wyoming. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I kind of do remember him saying that. I, you know, it's he was almost kind of like it was some kind of, it could have been a conspiracy, but then yeah, I'm thinking like, but then what's the conspiracy to, to have it there? Like, I don't who gains from that, but I don't know. But I, the only thing I could think of is remember at that, remember this is around that time where he ran afoul of the industry people by not being in real the world. And uh, maybe they were like, yeah, let's, we going to show him. We going to have him premiere his new, his second movie in some podunk town in Wyoming. That's conspiracy brother. Yeah, that's deep yeah. conspiracy. <laughs> that's the purple tinfoil hats. You know what I mean? We going to embarrass him because we ain't going to put him in New wow. York or Los Angeles oh, or Miami where it's popping, where it's going to be thousands of thousands of people. No, we going to be in Wyoming with like a couple hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, okay. I, mean, I don't okay. know why Warner would go for That's that. what I was about to say. You'd be dealing with big, <laughs> big clicked in corporations, but all right, all right. But um, yeah, so they, they did the thing. And let's, let's get into it now because it's a, uh, we're not going to front around like we don't see the conversation about it. Uh, of course, uh, Jerome Benton, who was not there, uh, he did get online on social media. And, you know, I think he was, I don't have the specifics of what he said in front of me, but he was sort of saying, you know, I've been getting people asking me if I'm coming or something like that, but no, I wasn't invited uh, to that event. And how do I say, at first, no, you know what, at first I just, well, I remember him putting that out and I think it was before the event and I just kind of assumed, oh, they're going to work that out. Like, how you not going to have Jerome up there? He's in the goddamn movie. He's co-starring in the movie. So I just didn't really pay it too much attention because I just figured, oh, you know what? And uh, of course they're going to work that out. But <laughs> once uh, Paisley Park released the, you know, the, the thing online saying, no, here are the special guests. I was like, whoa, okay. Wow. Wow. And I believe there was a post by Sheila E on Twitter when she was I'm paraphrasing again when she was kind of like maybe shaking her head 
And I think even Apollonia jumped in on the tweet, you know, was kind of like showing disapproval about the situation. And let, let me say, I, I'll say this, and you, you brought up black people being there in attendance, and there was a lot of people there in attendance. Here's my own, here's the thing I will say. <clears throat> when you look at the pictures of uh, Dr. Fink, Bobby Z, Andrea up there, and salute to all three of them. Let me be very clear. I have mad respect for them, met all three of them, uh, good people. But we can't neglect to say it's a funny style look for you not to have any black people on the stage or being a part of this event in the house of Prince. Let me say that again. It's a funny style look for you not to have any black people a part of this event on the front in the house of a black man named Prince. In 2021, that's not a good look. I'm saying that out of love. And you, in Minneapolis, no less. Exactly. And what Minneapolis has sort of become, you know, George Floyd and all of that, it's not a good look at all. I, I, the real side eye I would give, I said I would give, because I'm leaving out hope, that the people that are in charge or who are a part of this, I hope they understand that it looks funny style because they are the ones for better or worse who are in control of the narrative and you can't be up there and again i don't know how you don't see the ramifications of this in today's world how that just doesn't it don't play like you want like you can't we're talking about prince Right. They just released the album called Welcome to America. Did they listen to that? <laughs> Go to the song. Was it son of a son of a slave? Here's how he was getting down. Y'all just put that out to make some money on it. You can't really have a thing where it's a movie. It's a movie about two black dudes that go to France. And then in 2021, you can be up there and you got people who are in the movie alive and well. You got other band members as well, or people of color, black people, and they not a part of it. Fam, as a as a fellow fan and as a person who's showing you some love, this is not the way. Like it just doesn't, that ain't, it's not acceptable. We are in 2021. We the COVID thing has brought on the emergence of Zoom and all of this type of technology is normalized now everybody's doing it you mean to tell me they can't have jerome live from wherever he's at in the world and just have him up on the screen so that he could be a part of it there's no reason not to have now i don't know the whole situation maybe he was asking for money and hey and <laughs> What would be wrong about asking for money? 
is that thing for we don't work for free. Prince didn't work for free. He preached about get your bag. Yeah, they, they got a bag. They still that's got what I'm bag. saying. That, that's we're talking about Prince. Did you listen to the records <laughs> and what he was fighting for? <laughs> so you should be the first ones pushing. That should be the first thing when they sit down at the table and they're thinking about, okay, we're gonna do this. And uh, somebody should be like, Well, in the spirit of Prince, we gotta get some folks on the stage or uh, you just you, you can't have it. Just doesn't look right, man. I'm sort of repeating myself, but and, and to your but, point, uh, famous I wouldn't say famous song, but uh, recent song called "No One Wins When the Family Feuds," Mr. Jay Z. So yeah. you, the estate, people, the Prince fandom is already looking at you because they're already saying this isn't what Prince wanted. Prince didn't want his his uh, masters, his recording, his likeness in the hands of faceless corporation. That's the narrative out there. So you already are dealing with that image problem. So you're not going to go ahead and and, and we don't we don't know all the particulars. But let's say if it's money related. Is what Jerome asking for not worth the the uh, the goodwill? it would bring to have him there, to have him on that stage, to have all those fans in attendance, those fans, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Prince fans say, oh, wow, Jerome was there. Oh, that was so cool. Because at the end of the day, when you then turn around and try to push out the Under the Cherry Moon uh, colorized DVD or 4K DVD release, or when you do the parade um, remaster, they're going to remember that you did this thing with uh, Under the Cherry Moon, and there's your, your free publicity. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, where, there, there was other, you know, where's, where's Wally? Where's Mark uh, Brown Mark? Like, there's just some other, there's other people. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just should be somebody there that's like, you know what? Okay, the thing with Jerome ain't going to work. Okay, we got to make sure there's somebody <laughs> up here. It is not just, and I hate to have to be able to say it like this, but it's just, it's just like it's so absurd. There should be some black person up here, because again, I to me, I always like if if it was uh, Bruce Springsteen or somebody, and they had a thing. And they would just kept having. What's my man in Bruce Springsteen's band? The, the brother of the saxophone was it Clarence? Sorry, Kim. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? Y'all yeah. know. If it was just him speaking all the time, you already know people would be like, "Where is that?" Or if it was, you know, the Beatles, as they in the news right now, they had the documentary, so looked at them, and it was uh, just black people on the stage commenting about the Beatles. Do you think that people would be like? What's going on here? Where's Yoko and John Lennon's son? I just don't understand. Who are these? How, you, you have them up there? <laughs> don't act like they would be like, huh? It would, first of all, it wouldn't even allow, have ownership of that whole situation. But that's another story. But we're talking, I hate that. we're talking about Prince Rogers Nelson. So to me, it, you're going to have to have more than just the security guards be black. I'm sorry. All right. It's 2021. We're bigger than the help. And salute to the security people that are doing their job. But stop. Stop it. 
And I'm saying this out of love, <laughs> right? We we're gonna we're gonna keep our neck we're gonna keep our foot on your neck about that. That it is what it is. And my thing is, if you have a problem with that concept, that's the real conversation, right? Because you shouldn't be. Yeah. If you have a problem with me saying that, that's a whole other conversation. Because I'm not coming here blasting. I'm just saying in love, man. We. I'm spending money flying across the country because I want to support my man. Now, I, I have my issues about where the money's going. That's something else. But at least when you do something and you have it, man, go on and have our people up there. We built this city. <laughs> you don't put that city on the map. Stop it. True that. <laughs> Come on, hey, man. Hey Mike, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. I'm sorry. Can we take a uh, two or three minute break? My stomach is tearing up. I'm Hilarious. Just, yeah. <laughs> yes, we can do that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, when we come back, we're going to even we're gonna play some of the songs that they had previewed for us. So we'll come back in a second. We'll let Ampu negotiate his stomach in the toilet. One second. And never fear. That's why I'm here. If I can hold you in the big Everything I tell you is so sincere. No more talking, baby. Just come here. Mm, up, yo, Ashley, check it out. Let me let me talk to you for a second. Let me let me get in your ear for a minute. See, listen. I said that I like your smile. I like your smile. Oh, the way that your eyes light up. The eyes light up. I'm gone. Say that I like your smile, I like your smile, oh The way that your eyes light up, your eyes light up, I'm gone See y'all uh. See y'all, I mean, I'm just saying, you don't really have nothing to worry about I mean, you can just look in the mirror y'all listening this is gonna sound like hey they just came right back we are it was what two or three hours later <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is what it is <laughs> but we had to finish it up and Pooh, you feeling better sir yes yes i am good uh, good food poisoning slash stomach few ain't no joke man that was i forgot whatever show that something where they go what's the matter you got the bubbles <laughs> but anyway ain't, it wasn't the bubbles that was it was something far worse than that oh wait you're right that was on ice cube something. what's the matter you're burning or something anyway right 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 we don't want to go there 
<laughs> All right. So, yeah, man, we were just talking. We, we had stopped on. Uh, we were talking about just the estate and, uh, and Jerome and other uh, protégés. And, you know, again, get, you know, as my man was saying, do the right thing. Get some brothers on the wall. Uh, get, them on, get them on the front. You know what I'm saying? Have everybody up there. Um, you could you can do better. That's all I'm saying. This is not a condemnation, but you know you got some room to to improve. And, and my thing is is that for me, I didn't understand why they were doing this event, and I thought that maybe you know for those who made the trip there and bought a ticket, I thought they were going to play the colorized version because it just seemed <laughs> kind of weird that they were having this event. So with that being said. Well, they do. They do this. They have a whole movie series that they do. So this is mm. a common okay. thing that they've been doing. Okay. As you, I think, and you question. They showed a trailer before we watched Cherry Moon. What was it? Was it called Paris is Burning or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like a, it looked like it was a movie. It looked like it is a highly acclaimed festival type of movie uh, about like gay dancing and club scene. I could be off. Yeah, if you ever um, watched um, Pose, it's it's uh, talking about that as well. Okay, okay, I've heard about, of that. Show. It's around that same uh, theme, talking about the ballroom seat, which you know I, I don't. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm gonna be the one. So you send your your letters to me. I don't care what you think about trans people and all that, but let it be known. A lot of culture, especially some of our lingo, some of the way we behave, is born out from those balls in the NYC. So I don't give a damn if you don't want to call them women or all of the bullshit. You, a lot of pop culture owes their existence to those ballrooms. All right. All right. All right. Oh, man, making a stand. I dig it. Um, all right. So, yeah. So they've definitely been showing a lot of movies uh, there. Um what other thing I wanted to say before we... Oh, we're going to play some of this. So they played us uh, three unreleased tracks. But I wanted to make one last point before we go into that, just to talk about the, the whole thing again. The other part, aside from the estate, I think, though, um, I hate to say protégés, but I guess, you know, the, the other people that were part of the Prince, you know, journey... Uh, you know, I'm talking about the protege artists and whatnot. The ones who seem to not be uh, included as much as some of us think they should. I also think that it is, uh, I don't know if it's incumbent is the word, but y'all need to link up with each other so that, um, you know, the people that are in charge that seem to not be including y'all for whatever reasons, Y'all want to make sure that, you know, you guys are linking up and taking advantage and getting your stories out there so that they're, you know, they're not being left out of the narrative. You know, I, I, I want them to, like, make sure that they become uh, just as part of the storytelling as other people so that the estate and, you know, this mainstream sort of wave that I think is really coming has to deal with these people. Right. Because they're going to spin a story that they want to tell for the people that they may be friends with, who they are more comfortable dealing with. And they're going to put them on front. But the people like Jerome, Jill Jones, Apollonia, Sheila E., Wally, 
the, the list goes on. Miko and and you know, Michael B, a ton of a ton of people. Uh, they are just as important to the story narrative as well. And they may have legitimate reasons why they don't want to be involved in these things. But for us as fans and in terms of like history, we can not have them be a part of the story. And if you kind of see how things are, you know, moving right now, the different moves that the organization is making, I hope that those who are not being included can link up, put together, put aside all of whatever little fights, bickering, pettiness, ego, whatever it is, and say, you know what, man, if we don't link up and make sure our voices are heard, they're going to try to shut us out this thing. And it'd be a damn shame because of people not getting along with certain people that they allow that to happen. Because I'm going to tell you, just like in any other situation, whether it be business, spiritual, whatever, the people who be in control of the narrative, they're going to deal with their own people. And they'll leave us to the side. You see that all the time in corporate and different And they'll tell you to your face that they love you. And, you know, they'll mention your name, but no dough. <laughs> no advancement. Uh, well, oh, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, well, we went ahead and gave that position to such and such. I didn't think you wanted it. Or I didn't know. <laughs> so don't let that happen to y'all because it'd be a damn shame. In 30 years from now, when the narrative is just only about a few band members and not all these other people, that you see them in the footage and doing things, and you just be like, man, I wonder who that guy was. You never know. Well, I'm just, you know, it's this people. They only deal with these people. Don't let that happen to y'all. I'm telling you, man. Can I add? Go something? ahead. Absolutely. Um, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves as we had a really great conversation brunch with uh, Scotty Baldwin. And you said something that I think all of the protégés, the Associated Act, Princess Inner Circle, uh, probably need to hear and uh, marinate on. They're going to tell their story. Mm. Now, do you want to tell your story or do you want to rely on somebody else to tell your story and the estate to tell your story? Yeah. And the same goes with, you know, podcasts or whatever else. Listen. Y'all are the reason why we're, you know, Prince is the reason why we're here. We love that music and, and, you know, different band members and people are part of that. But like he said, yeah, make sure you guys can tell your story, man, because, you know, one of the things when we when we saw that tour and we'll go into it a little later, but I, I feel like there was some very great uh, presentation of Prince's story. Like they showed a video montage thing. And I was watching that. I was like, man, wow. I, as a fan, hardcore fan, I was watching that like, this is actually pretty good. And it was showing some stuff I had never seen before. And I was like looking at the people who were there on that tour, which we will get into. And I'm like, man, we're still in the infancy of this thing. But it's going to really pop off at some point where, you know what I mean? Like the history of this Prince thing is going to be a big deal. And it'd just be a shame that people won't get a deeper telling of it and i just feel like because because again we're going to see just the same thing we always see people are just going to click up with the people they feel comfortable with and if the people that are in charge 
don't really, you know, they don't really have a relationship with other types of people on a more, you know, personal type of level other than just to say, oh, you were in this group type of thing and they don't let you, you know, really get your story told right. Some people's going to get left behind, man. And it's going to be a damn shame. It's going to be a damn shame that it's a Prince thing that, I don't know if you can say we would, but it's going to be allowed to happen like that. Anyway, I don't want to harper on that type of stuff, but I just want to throw that out there. Others can continue the conversation and build on that. Um, but let's get to some great stuff. I want to play a couple of tracks. So during that Q&A, they previewed or played three unreleased type of tracks. And as we get into the tracks, I wonder if this is sort of a test of the water or if we can see that there's going to be a parade special edition release coming down the pike. Cause I was like, they don't just have these songs just laying around, you know, Michael Howe, uh, the archivist, I'm sure is, is, you know, every day working on going through all this material. And it would seem like, wow, they have these parade era tracks ready that they've, you know, gotten, I imagine remastered, they got the titles and all that. So it seemed like, man, they must be working on something because really just, they just, because Paisley Park, I don't imagine they just going to have tracks laying around. They're not in the archives putting in work. That's somebody else. So with all that said, man, let me pull this up in power of uh, editing here. I'll make this a smoother transition than what I'm doing now. One second. Here we go. So here's the first track. I'm going to play a little bit, and you're going to hear uh, Andrea Swenson sort of giving an intro to this as well. Um, so yeah, here we go. Okay, a lot of songs very quickly. The first session for this was on April 19, 1985, during the recording of the bulk of the Parade album at Sunset Sound. Originally, it was planned as an instrumental, but over the rest of the month, he recorded his vocals, and he had Wendy and Lisa add some overdubs to it, including the strings, which they wrote and oversaw. So we'll listen to that now. So that was the first one. Love is God, spelled backwards. Kind of kind of has that uh new positions kind of feel to it with this with I guess with the steel drums. Uh man, when they played that, I was tripping. I was like, whoa. 
Cause I ain't never heard none. I ain't never heard never heard this one. What'd you think, uh, Ant? First of all, that's just an infectious beat, track, music, whatever you want to call it. You can't help once that music kick in to start tapping your uh, tapping your feet on the floor and just vibing side to side. Second of all, um, I don't know if it was, I remember hearing somebody else saying in the in the theater that gives them uh, Camille vibes and you know that whole mm-hmm. album where he's doing the whole voice distorted voice but you know you're mentioning but I was like oh yeah I hear it I hear it but now you're mentioning new position and, and you mentioning some of that uh, that that drum I'm like oh okay maybe I'm all off or it's just all around that same era but yeah that's funky yeah absolutely yeah I mean definitely uses sort of the, the Camille type voice sped up voice but Man, I, yeah, I need that. Go ahead and put that out. You know, <laughs> I'm ready for that. No question. Uh, and it's just one of those things where it's like, man, uh, I love being surprised. Like, I was surprised hearing that. So we're going to keep it moving. Play another one. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to use my phone. Here we go. November 1985, during the same session as Dream Factory and Mountains. Eventually, Prince would create a version with horns, but this take is just Prince at the piano and is much more intimate than the version released on his 1998 CD, Crystal Ball. The style of this is very close to what he performed in Under the Tree. Yeah, yeah, you can hear me talking shit in the background. Ah, an honest man. Man, and, and it has the dates on the screen. So it says November 30th, 1985. And of course, that music where you hear that song in a different variation is the beginning of the Under the Cherry Moon movie, which I always felt was a travesty that that was not on the album. So I would love to get a version of this. What do you think, Aunt Pooh? Yeah, I was just about to ask you, like, them chords sound very familiar, and now you just placed it for me. That was the opening. Um, that should have been on the B-side. Should have been on the B-side, because it was a, be- a beautiful piece of music composition. Um, I want to hear more before I, I give it classic denotation, but I'm definitely feeling it. Absolutely. You know, the more I think about it, almost, I wanted... I would want the album to start with this. 
the same way the movie did, the same way Let's Go Crazy started the movie and started the album. Mm, okay, I just feel yeah. like this would have really set the tone of that album. And then and just and the only thing this is missing is the Claire Fisher strings that you hear in the movie, which are just uh, uh but it was it's such a I remember the first time hearing in the movie, it was such a I did not expect that sort of I guess what the word I'm thinking of a lush and just like everything I thought of Prince, I would have never thought it would have sounded like that. And I was like, damn, this nigga went cinematic in a big way. Like it's just like uh and it's so pretty. Uh, but anyway, honest man, definitely love that one. We'll keep it moving. Get to the next one here. Here we go. <laughs> Try not to cry. Um, this is how it started on April 21st, 1985, with Prince yep. sitting at the console with Wendy while Lisa was in the studio at the piano. Parts of the song can be traced back to a variation of the track he wrote and recorded before he was signed to Warner Brothers. The way he worked it out with Wendy and Lisa revealed a much more vulnerable take of the track. According to Lisa, Sometimes It Snows in April was really the pinnacle of our relationship with Prince. Lisa says the three of us had kind of a love affair. And when we wrote that song, it was just the three of us sitting together in a room. I had hoped we would follow that trail further and make a whole record like that, but it didn't happen. Hearing this unreleased take of Prince giving the engineer instructions is as close as most of us will ever get to hearing him creating his music in the studio. Called cock teasing. That was a cock tease. Okay. Plain and simple. How you gonna have Prince that we, you know we get the 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 actor around the time we get the the showman, but then here we get to seeing the the the, the composer, the producer in action as we hear him, you know, calling out and setting up how this is gonna be recorded, and then they cut it off as he starts singing. Like, come on, Paisley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one says, says dated April 21st, 1985. And now she made mention that it was some of it was based on an earlier recording. And I think when they were talking before I captured it, they made mention that it was from like 79, which is mind boggling to me. That, you know, so this song really was an older piece of work that he was doing. And as you heard it, as Aunt said, I mean, this <clears throat> it just sets a vibe. When you when you first start, you need to turn the lights down, 
getting ready. That type of stuff, I love to hear that. It's really uh, intimate, sort of listen. Um, man, beautiful. That So if like what you said is a tease, I, I hope they're teasing that. Yeah, we're working on this. This this stuff is coming coming soon. But uh, I thought that that was beautiful for them to share these three tracks. Very uh, unexpected. And the fact that they, you know, people were recording and they were, it was in a place where you can pull your phones out. Now, some will argue, you know, shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but it was done. <laughs> and uh, man, beautiful stuff. And if I can add, um, what are they doing these remasters? I love what they're doing, finding these songs in the vault and, you know, trying to make a more cohesive and fleshed out uh, album with, you know, we can get a sense of what he was working on around the final uh, sequence albums. But I want them to add some of that stuff in where he's giving directions or talking about adjusting. Uh, I, I could, <clears throat> and, I, and I know, you know, the Purple Army, Purple Army is not going to like me doing this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be me because I love the Thriller 25th anniversary album and the bad and in between these tracks you're hearing people Quincy Jones and other uh, people that played on the album talk about working with Michael and putting these things together and what they thought about certain things I would love to hear that um, if, if they got Prince talking and producing and composing these songs I would love to hear that just to get a sense of uh, how his creative process went. I mean, we get other people telling you these things and there's just glimpses like in the, the Prince of Paisley Park documentary where you're seeing him do it. But, you know, to actually, if they actually have these tapes of him doing that, I would love to hear that as part of uh, a larger release. All right, all right. And, uh, and then after that, you know, after we got to experience that, then they started the movie. And, you know, that was fun to watch it in Paisley Park, you know, obviously with people who are very much invested as fans with Prince. Um, I want, One thing I noticed to me, watching it, the movie went by so fast. I felt like it just was like, it went yep. by so quick. <laughs> now, now, maybe it's because I was in Prince's house. Like for me, before the movie kind of goes a little downhill after Christopher goes to uh, uh, Mrs. Wellington's house, and does that scene after that? I'm like, ah, the the, the story kind of, uh. but I don't know. Maybe it's because I was in his house or the vibe from all these other Prince fans. I was like, this isn't slowing down for me like it normally does. Right. And you know, I'm, 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 it was just kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I think it was just the the you know there's so, the energy of everybody there and where and where we're at. You know, it was just a special special uh, situation. And, you know, it was it was great. I didn't even want it to be over. You know, <laughs> low key. I was like, man, I know this is about to be over. But I was like, this is fun. That's what it was for me. It was fun. You know what I mean? Because like, I ain't gonna lie when. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Was it you or somebody else? I was like, that's it. Why the hell didn't Christopher just go with uh, Tricky and uh, the Ogre? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, when they were going to the grotto, he's like, meet me at the grotto. I'm like, and then uh, it was like Tricky and I was like, how did they get there if old boy was on the boat? And they just showed, damn, Chris. Damn, Trick. Uh, Chris. Please. And then it, it's just a funny movie. We've, we've commented this yeah. movie, but it's just, it's a funny movie. Looking at it, I can see 
toward the end, I was like, I wonder if they're just they just cut out so much stuff and it's just like, okay, we got to end this thing. Just push forward real fast because yeah. it makes you kind of like, what's what's really going on here? But it's a funny movie. I, I think it, it's really it to me. I, again, I guess everybody was expecting Purple Rain two, and then of course Black and White. Uh, I, I know for me, I was confused as hell. Like, what the hell is Jerome doing with uh, the kid? That mm. you know, again, I, at the time I was what eight or nine, so that really threw me for a loop. But I mean, if you just take it out of that, it's a pretty, it's a really funny movie. It really is. It, it, it is. I could see how it could have been even. <sighs> Better, like I think, if they would have just leaned more on the fish out of water, these two brothers acting a mm-hmm. fool type of stuff. To me, all of that stuff is golden. And if it had just stayed more toward that, they tried to get a little serious. Like the ending to me doesn't match the tone of the rest of the movie. That's why I make mean, them. Was there like something else going on? And they were they were locked in. Like he has to die. And I was like, eh. but you know. Hey, we already know the movie. It is what it is. It was great to see it there. Um, you you know, got I like to joke. Go ahead. I like to joke that uh, Mary Sherry, uh, uh, not Mary Sherry, Vic, uh, what is his name? I keep forgetting. Isaac. Isaac Sherry, he got ran out of France and then he sat down and took roots in Beverly Hills under the name Victor Maitland. What is that name from? Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay. The same guy. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I will he say... He plays them both well. Deviously evil. The way it ends toward the end part is an interesting watch now in 2021. I was just like, okay, y'all gonna shoot that brother. He was just trying to get old girl, but we'll leave that alone. Because <laughs> I mean, part of me was looking like, well, how does he... I mean, I guess uh, Isaac Sherry got pulled because they did establish that. I'm just how is he say shoot him and the police right. like okay we're gonna shoot him <laughs> gonna but shoot. then the other part is is that they've been told he was kidnapped and they could perceive him as a threat but it, the optics ain't looking right now. right yeah I mean the, the mom went full Karen when he showed up at the airport <laughs> she just fainted oh Lord kidnapped my baby I was like oh I was like stop <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um, yeah. See, so that that, uh, oh, that oh, light skin yeah. privilege didn't work for uh, Christopher. No, not at all. Uh, so after, so the movie uh, was over, and um, briefly we ended up. Uh, actually, no, the movie was over. That was a great experience. We ended up all going out to eat, and that was a great experience as well. But I wanted to really go back to the tour. I'm going to talk about the tour of Paisley mm. Park. Yep. And your, well, one. So I've done the ultimate tour i believe and a different type of tour but i hadn't done the tour in years so it was the first time seeing this type of tour and, and then there was the shoes was something new as well but i want to go with you man like what was it like for you so when we finally come in that main entrance right check your vaccination yep. check your id <laughs> and we're there with a group of people and i'm gonna turn it over to you yeah, so I walk in through the, which looks like the office reception. Nice lady. Um, I see our tour guy. He looks like, and, you know, don't be shocked. He looks like a 25 to 32-year-old uh, white guy. And I'm and me, you know, I, I'm 44. I'm thinking to myself, like, 
It's like they on that Paisley Park, they on that bullshit. How you gonna give me this young whippersnapper gonna try to walk me and guide me through a prince's house and try to educate? I was like, whatever. I don't remember our tour guy's name. That's my fault. But salute to that man. He was not only did he come off very educated. I don't know if it was a script, but I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Mike had a conversation with him, and he said that he's he became a, a Prince fan uh, coming to work there, and he was telling me stuff that I had no idea, no clue about, and he was discussing and speaking on these things with a great reverence. It didn't. He did not come off like he was doing a job. He looked like he was humble, and it was um, it was an honor to be in Prince's uh, home and speaking about him and all the different um, nuances to what makes up Paisley Park. Uh, so when you walk in, you walk into, I guess we'll call it an atrium. Please forgive me. I don't know um, construction and things like that. So when you look out, when you get to the center of it, you see this blue sky-like um um, entryway, and you look up and you see that little pyramid type um, glass ceiling type thing. And it's, of course, the sun is shining in. And I just stood there and just, you know, gather it all in like, wow, I'm finally in this place. Again, uh, feeling melancholy because the band ain't there, but just really looking into seeing how in 1987 he had the vision and he worked with someone to build this space. And it doesn't look dated, and it looks like it, it does look like a museum. Like he, I feel like looking at looking at this place. I feel like that nigga knew what he was doing. He knew what he was creating, and he had all of these different. They had all of these different sections, these different rooms that were designed for diamonds and pearls. I think they had a love sexy room. They had all these other rooms, and I'm just standing around just taking it all in, looking at the walls, looking at all the plaques, looking at all the the silver, the gold, the platinum, I'm sorry, the gold and platinum plaques, and just like, damn, everything is right here. You can see the history of this man's music. Uh, one of the other things was we went into Prince's office, which was here, um, please bear with me. You walk in through the door, you walk past the reception, and then I'd say a good maybe... 15, 20 steps, there's Prince's office. And it looked like Prince's office, very opulent. Uh, he had uh, he had a, they had a book open with like this magnifying glass. I'm talking about an old school, like have you ever seen Coming to America where they have the magnifying glass on the globe of figuring out, they had that. Um, Mike pointed out to me that the, his shoes were over off into a corner. They had this conference room table with books on there. Mike was pointing out all the different books that he had that was there. And I'm just going to be honest. I don't believe any of it was for show because who was coming into Prince's office? And it was just kind of just amazing that this is the, the setup that he had. It clearly looked like Prince, but it wasn't like some over-the-top bullshit like I'm showing off for the sake of showing off because how many who who was coming to see it like that? It's not like it was open to the public. So for me, it was just kind of special seeing what he had curated in his office and what mattered most to him, what he was looking. There was a book about Egyptian, um, I don't know if it's antiquities or Egyptian gods, and you just like, wow. Um might want to take a step back. Apparently, everything that was there was there from the day that he had died. 
So all that stuff they left there so you can get a glimpse into this was his life and this is what he was reading. This is all of the stuff that he had. And it just was kind of amazing to see uh, what they say. Celebrities, they're just like us. Kind of messy. <laughs> but they have all these different uh, books and literature and all other kind of stuff uh, around there. They had his uh, briefcase, I think you pointed that out to me as well. And you, you just sit, you're just standing there looking like, I, I just can't believe this is how this man was getting down. Yeah, I think what, I hate to say it humanized it, but it just made it look like, I was like, I could relate to him when I saw that. Mm. Like, deeper right. than the music and stuff, I was like, he's not just some, I think he used the term song and dance man at one point. He is a real dude, just a real brother. Like, one of the, the telling things about it to me was there was a little table and it was pictures of family and friends. Right, right. Right? And it reminded me of something I would see if I went to my mom's house or my grandparents' house. It was pictures of family, uh, kids, mothers and fathers and stuff. And I was like, man, he just like, he was on the same shit that we be on. You know what I mean? And, and he had his, like you said, his books and stuff. When you see the book titles and different things, I was like, if I didn't know who Prince was, and I just and I had heard him. I'd be look at that like, oh, this brother deep. Like he'd be getting okay. He wanted them type of cats that really be in the books and reading and getting his studies on and shit. What, and that's what, what one of the things I was just like, man. There's so much to this guy that we don't get to see, and to see a very up close and personal sort of thing like that, it it, it makes you go. For me, it makes me go back and look at the albums and be like. I see what he was like getting at now in some of these songs, particularly in the later music, mm -hmm. like through the 90s and 2000s. I'm seeing like he was dropping nuggets because he'd be reading. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not a dumb motherfucker. Like he actually, you know what I mean? Like just certain cats, they just be talking bullshit. I was like, oh, he was actually taking the stuff he was reading and dropping dropping knowledge on cats, but we just didn't think of him like that. So you want to just like, oh, he just on his Joe Witness or all oh, that. Like, nah, this brother. There was a Bible. There yeah, was a he's, Bible. He's getting it in. He wanted them type of cats. And some of y'all know what I mean by that. So I was like, man, Prince was so, so he was so deeper than we would have possibly even thought. But go ahead. Uh, two things. One, I don't remember where I read the story. I, I don't know if it was Afshan's book or in an interview, but they mentioned that he had a picture of Yara Shahidi, um, his daughter, who's the star of Grownish. And there was that picture. I was like, whoa, okay. And uh, the other thing is, is like, I was kind of disappointed that there was no hidden colors of DVD anywhere there. I would have been like, ah, oh, that oh, would have yeah. blown my mind if it oh, was yeah. there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you, you talked about some of the different rooms and stuff. The one thing that was new for me personally is when we finally got to go and see the shoe, I guess, exhibit, if you want to call that. And at first, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't really hyped about that. Like, you know, I've heard about it and people say, oh, I want to go see the shoes. I'm like, okay, it's shoes. Like, uh, eh. But let me tell you, I was actually dumbfounded when you actually got to see all of these shoes because I'm going to tell you, the thing that really got me about them is the details of mm -hmm. each pair was meticulous to whatever theme 
or motif or whatever he was going for. I mean, there was, I don't know how many shoes were up there. It could have been a hundred or more, but each one was super detailed differently than the other. And I was looking at that and just like marveling at this. And I'm like, as much as he put into his music and the stage show, he put just as much, if not almost more, maybe into them goddamn shoes. And I was like, this brother was balling out of control. Like when we think of cats, when they get rich and they'll splurge, like, oh, they don't get their rims or, you know, I'm just talking, get the grills. Prince got the shoe game. He was, a, he was a, in a sense, a sneaker head, but he just wasn't into sneakers. He was into, you know, them high heel boots. And he was into customizing them bad boys for every single look, feel, or whatever. And they were all just, I, I was marveling. I was like, damn, he has to be a super detailed type of mind to even tell his designers, whoever, to, okay, I want this on this shoe, do this. And it was a lot of stuff that, some of the shoes I remember seeing before, but there's so many little details on the shoes. Like, there's no way that we would have saw those details. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, like, we couldn't get close to see none of that. But he saw them. <laughs> and it was important enough for him to like, no, it doesn't matter if you if anybody's not going to see these or I'm only going to wear them once. I'm going to treat each one of these as if it is the most important thing ever. And that's what made I, I, I there was something that clicked for me when I thought about Prince and I was like, you know what? These shoes are almost, they're a true testament to the type of mind that he had, even more so than that music, I thought. Because I was just like, this. no one else would do something like that. You made a point. I, I think there was one, I don't know if it had Black Lives Matter or Albums Matter. It was something where there was a message on one of these shoes. And <clears throat> I forget what performance it was. And you made a point of saying, like, nope, nope, nobody was going to see these shoes. But he made sure to have that on there. Yeah. yeah it just like goes it, in the, the mindset of him, man. Like The ones that blew my mind was seeing those Batman shoes. Because he would have, I think it was a red one, a red and white um, two-tone shoe. And at the heel, there was the Batman logo. He had, I saw two of those type of shoes. And I'm just looking like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's... It, it, it's uh, it definitely is worth seeing. I could actually, I don't know if how long they'll keep that, but at some point, to me, that would be a book. Like a, a coffee table type book would be Prince's Shoes. I'm telling you because they're so like detailed and exquisite. I was just like, this is, a, I would have never imagined his shoes was like this. Like, I, you know, you knew he had shoes and stuff, but I didn't know they were to that level of complexity. And I was just like, I don't know. It was almost like I didn't know what to think. I was like, "Wow!" And like, they matched outfits. Like, right? Um, there's the uh, the white suit with the black polka dots that you probably recognize from the Love Sexy tour. He had some white uh, uh, high heel boots, white with black polka dots. If you've seen the for those of you on volume with that kind of tannish colored suit with the black polka dots. Uh, no, it's actually peach. There, peach. He had those shoes, and because I kept looking, and I saw, and I was like, "Oh, that's the for those of you on found." It's I gonna lie, if you like people talk about sneakerheads, like, "Oh, those are Jordan 13s, those those pennies ninety five. That's what me and Mike was doing in that whole room. Like, ah, oh, there's the uh, 
uh, there's those Batman. Oh, there's uh, from the. Uh, I think you saw the ones from the the Silent of Times covered with that that blue denim outfit mm-hmm. that he wore, mm-hmm. and you you we found the shoes that we think match with that, and that that to me was hella dope. We could have probably spent an hour in there trying to figure out which shoes went with with outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was fantastic. I, I will say it was fan. The the. Uh, rack or shelf whatever they created this glass thing to display them was fantastic i was just like almost felt like you don't get enough time really to really uh going they could have done a whole thing where they pulled some some of them out and you know and i don't want to touch them but it was just like i don't know you want to touch them it's like you almost want to just like look at them like god damn and i think we were talking about like they could sell these and yeah. i would say selling them not even to be worn i'm sure you could but i would just love to have a pair and put them on my pedal you know my pedestal at home next to my statues or something and be like yo these are fucking prince's shoes <laughs> you know what i mean like and they would just come out with a set every sort of season like these are those such and such shoes and there's only limited supply i mean they were just so that detailed i, I thought they were remarkable and just to give you the scope of how many shoes there were in this display, the they went from one end of the room, the display, to the other end of the room. And I'd say, what, the room was, what, 20 by 20? So mm-hmm. that was just ridiculous. That's how many shoes he had that they were able to display. And the, the wall went from the top to the bottom, the full length of the room, of nothing but shoes. Yeah, it definitely was, definitely was incredible. I, I wanted to ask you this. Um, what did you think of the makeup of the people that went on the tour? I don't know if that anything struck you about that or. He, okay, so you got me and Mike. Uh, Mike, forty to fifty. I saw a couple of couples, white couples, but the one that tripped me out just a little bit was there was this black couple. They had to be between I want to say twenty three to twenty eight. And they got, and they're dressed just like you would expect a 22, 23 to 28-year-old. I uh, wish you had a chance to talk to them because I, I wanted to know where they came from, if they were local or they came in. And they just young cats, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, just going through uh, all of the, uh, going through all of the rooms of Paisley Park. And I'm just looking at them and they're like being blown away by all this. And so that's something I really enjoy seeing uh, these younger people. But for the most part, there were uh, people between the ages, I'm going to say 35 to maybe even close to 60. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at certain people and I, I look at how people sort of carry themselves. And I, there was a couple of the younger, yeah, to me, they, they look younger out of uh, uh, younger white guys. And they, if I would have saw them outside of it, I would have never had pictured them being into Prince. Just, just you know, being judgmental on appearances. And I thought it was fascinating. I was like, man, these cats. Uh, I'm keeping. I'm speaking with love. I'm just we're commenting. They're looking dusty. Uh, and I'm like, but they spent money, good money, to come in here. And to see this tour, and we went on a Sunday morning, I believe. And I was like, "Man, people are coming to this!" Like it says, and and a lot of these people did not scream like super Prince fans to me. It looked like they were like they knew of Prince and they were interested in it, but they were interested enough to actually come and peep out the history of it. And I thought that was fascinating. I was like, 
you know what, this museum is doing a good thing. I'm glad it exists because there are people that don't, they don't seem like they're super Prince fans, but they're a fan enough and interested enough and have some respect for what Prince did to come in and go see this tour and, and get some history. And that's a great thing. And you know, one of the things I, uh, we were on the tour and we were kind of, there would be kind of semi low key cringy moments. And let me shout out the tour guy. Cause he did a great job. Let me keep it 100. And like, like Ann said, I did start talking to him and he was telling me like, yeah, you know, I wasn't a big Prince fan at first, but when I started working here, that's when I, you know, I started learning. And he was like, you know what? He's one of the greatest, he's the greatest artist of all time. Like, you know, he, and I, he was, he was honest that he didn't know everything, but he was learning but he had the reverence for Prince and he understood the magnitude and what it meant and what his job was to sort of educate and share the legacy of Prince. And I, I, was, I had to salute him. I said, wow, okay, you're doing your thing, man. You know, this is great. Um, and like I said, you know, so that tour and just seeing how people were receptive to it and were learning. And when I was saying cringy parts, you know, he was like, uh, when we had to go to the next room, he'd be like, okay, you guys ready to go, ready to go crazy? Or he would say some kind of prince. <laughs> and me and he was kind of like, ah, okay. Stop. Like, like, okay, I get it. And, but you know what? But I was also saying too, you know, to keep it a buck, well, this is going to happen when, you know, somebody else is in control of the story. They're going to get their people. And they're gonna they're gonna have reverence for it, but there's still a little bit of the the uh, authenticity. If that's the word, is a is just a little bit of the. It's, you know, it's like ah, okay. It, it's a little cringy, but it's not done in a malicious type of way. If I'm making any sense, but that's and when I was joking to you, I was like, imagine if it was a Snoop Dogg. You know place like that and, and, and you, you've worked with them so you know Snoop has his own uh, you know big place like, like a Paisley Park that he owns himself and I was like imagine if he was to pass on and then these other people came in and was like okay guys you ready for some juice and gin and we go in the next room <laughs> like, he'd be like stop, stop. That's, but that's kind of how I feel a little bit with this but I get it but it's just like man I hate to say it's a shame. It's just the way that things are. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, man, I hope that at some point, uh, just as real as Prince was about his stuff, and it was never like cringy, really, and it wasn't phony. Not not saying they're phony. It's just like he was, uh, his stuff was just, uh, it just felt real, and you could relate and get into it. And I hope that they can continue that sort of vibe, I guess, going forward um i don't know if what they pay people that work there but i just hope that many other people apply to to, to work in some capacity at that place so that we can get some people who may have lived through some of those prince times and they can articulate uh prince's journey from a place of, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I know what he was, how he was, what he really meant here. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing I think is missing if I'm explaining it right. 
even if it was some people who didn't live from that time, but just had that experience. Like I know culturally what Prince was saying when he did this and I can express that to you. That would be the only thing I think is sort of missing from the tour. In my opinion, just that understanding of, Oh, this is what he meant by that. It wasn't, you know what I mean? If, if that makes any sense. But that's but what happens is we have to, when I say we, the fans, the protégés, the other people, have to push the people who have the reins to this thing and be like, yo, you got to include this, man. Or somebody should know that they should have to do this, da 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 Or when you show this, this is why he was doing it. You know what I mean? It's just... It just needs to have that thing because otherwise it would just be like, oh, he was just a great musician and he meant a lot to the music world. But the explanation behind some of the lyrics, you know, why was he singing about this? Why, why was this? Well, because it's in relation to what was going on with these people in America or whatever. And that's the part that I think is sort of missing. And to make my other point is to say, if you go into his office and you see them books that he was reading, there should be somebody to be able to break that down to you so that you could understand a deeper context of why his lyrics was on that. Because he was studying this, 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 and this is what these studies and these books was about. So then you can put it all in the, you're like, oh, okay, he was on, he was on that. He wasn't just singing with the band. You know what I'm saying? Like he was talking about this struggle or whatever. And that's, that's just the only thing I would say they could tweak a little bit. They're going to always have the historians who know all the dates and, you know, who played on it. But I don't know if sometimes those historians understand the cultural reference that Prince was speaking to without actually saying it. You know what I'm saying? But it was just like, oh, he already know who his audience were. So when he say that, we know what he's talking about. You know what I mean? So. But with that said, um, what else did we we got to go in the studio, right? Yep. Uh, uh, we forgot uh, one of the one of the rooms that they took in, and they had a vending machine, which was just really crazy. I want to know how old those candy bars are, but it was just really interesting to see that. Yeah, that was the Purple Rain uh, room that they had there. I think I said that his crew had made that vending machine for him on the road or something, so he could have his favorite you know, snacks and candies and things of that nature. But it was very interesting. Uh, there's just a lot of cool memorabilia in there. It's, yeah, that's I can say that to the least. Um, try any other standouts for you uh, from the tour, Ant? Uh, the studio, which was just really interesting. When they took us in the studio, it had the big giant room, and then they were breaking. There was another room behind some glass where it looked like the instruments would be played to mixing, uh, to performing the song. And then they sit telling us that they had other two separate rooms uh, where someone could sing, another person could do um, brass. And they explained to us that there was a microphone right behind the engineer um, pl uh, platform or whatever you call that. And console. that's where, console, that's where uh, Prince would be and he would sing from there while directing all the other musicians. Right, yeah, he would uh, he would sit down at the control, control board and do his vocals. Uh, they didn't let us go in in there on that particular tour, but uh, you could still see it. Um, you saw the drums and stuff, and, and, and they played uh, a little video of Prince talking. Uh, I think it was the one with 
it was with him and Larry Graham and they were playing guitar and bass and stuff. Um, just, you know, great stuff. For me, uh, just to walk in there and absorb the vibe uh, and, you know, maybe the spirit of the place where all this, a lot of the music that you love was made in that room. That's a heavy, heavy sort of thing, you know, I think when you take the the ultimate tour or something, you can really get to sit down in there and they'll like place tracks and isolate some of the instruments so you can really like soak in uh, that vibe. But uh, it's a powerful, powerful room <clears throat> for sure. Um, after, uh, I know I'm skipping some stuff, but it sort of ends where you come back into the sound stage, and then they have another video presentation thing and it, all the lights and everything are synced up to it. I thought that that was really well done. That was my first time seeing that. Uh, and, and, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know, sort of the, to, to end the tour mm -hmm. yeah. at that. And I think it ended with that. And then they let you go into the MPG room, um, which was, well, was cool as well. This is a dope little club setting, no lie yeah. there. So he can go from performing on stage to getting his little Mac on at one of those little booths. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans, a lot of memories being in that room and seeing shows and uh, doing different things. So it, 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 it's definitely a cool. I think our tour was what? It's hard for me to imagine the time. I, 30, 40 It minutes? was an hour and a half. And it I was an hour believe, and a half? Wow. Yeah, it went by quick, too. Very quick, yeah, very quick. Yeah, and it was cool. Like I said, it was a cool experience, in my opinion. What did you think overall, just the whole thing for you? I thought... Absolutely, just this, the uh, the grandeur of this entire building is just amazing. Even without a tour, if you could just go on your own, it's just something to behold. But um, the tour guy that we had did a, a really great job of explaining just how great he was and how great he was at doing what he did, and then giving the, the stories behind some of the product, uh, uh, the items that we were seeing. It, Definitely is a whole lot better than uh, I've heard some people have said about their um, their print Paisley Park tours. So for me, it was just a, a overall win, and I hope they keep getting people that become passionate and feel honored to really tell um, his life at Paisley Park. Absolutely, man. And with that, I don't know if there's anything else we want to oh. get into. Oh, we tried to go purify ourselves and make me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Aunt had the great idea, you know, to go for us to go check out some prints, landmarks, if you could call it that. First one we went to was the Purple Rain House, which I had mm -hmm. seen before, but I don't think I ever saw it in the daytime. If I'm not mistaken. No, and me so neither. That, that was cool, and we got out, took some pictures. And if anybody was wondering, uh, Francis L kept the heat on. It was still warm. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then we had uh, we went out to look for the Lake Minnetonka scene location. Yeah, um, I did a quick Google search, and apparently, in this town called Henderson, which is near the lake where they filmed the scenes with Apollonia Prince, they uh, they um, what's the, I can't think of the word. They they put together a mural that's on the one side of the building, as well as they had a uh, statue um, that was next to this mural, along with a bench where you could go and take pictures, pose, and everything. Uh, but first, we went to the mural. Really beautiful, done, really done. Um, this uh, image of Prince 
in a little red Corvette in front of First Ave. I don't know uh, the artist's name, but he did a great job. Um, me and Mike, we both have pictures on our uh, Instagram and Facebook. Go ahead and take a look at it. Um, that that one blew me away that um, he left such a, a mark on this town because of the, the, the filming of Purple Rain that they actually now have a place for you to go visit and uh, see, you know, the people who had a love for him that got that put on that side of the building for people to take pictures at. Yes. And then, so we went there, we went into the uh, heart of Henderson gift shop where the statue is located and they have mm-hmm. a little gift shop in there. Uh, and it was and cool. some really great items too. Yeah. Great stuff in there. And we happened to be in there. The guy who actually spearheaded the whole statue, uh, came in the store and we got to chop it up with him. Uh, and he gave us, he was, I, I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, but uh, yes. I know his first name was Joel. Joel salute to Joel, man. It was a great story that he was sharing about his, uh, time with Prince and he worked on the graffiti bridge movie. Mm-hmm. He, he had his original copy of the script. He had the script there and definitely a place to go visit. And, and with that, he told us how to get to the Lake Minnetonka, location and we go there uh, there's a great video actually if you're on the youtube it's on our youtube page you can you can see that where we went went out there uh and it was awesome i had never done that before so i, I thought it was really cool it was, it was out there it was, now, it was on some wrong G- turn territory yes but, yes, yes, yes. but uh, we were before jokes. the sun went down <laughs> yes these are jokes but there was uh some people it looked like two they were in one of those doom buggies they drove by and they kept going and as we we're walking to like the area, because you know there's that bridge, you guys can if hopefully you can envision it. We pass underneath there, we're still hearing that doom buggy going. And we're like, yeah, we better get up out of here. We don't know what's going on with these guys. And and then it started getting a little louder too. But you know, jokes aside, it was it was a really fun experience just standing there, knowing that's where they uh filmed that movie. I dared Mike to go jump in the water, he wouldn't do it, you know. But this don't like the. I don't know. Yeah. Why would I jump in a goddamn? <laughs> dare me on. You go do it. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it, it, it'd be for the gram. Come on, bro. Right. That's how you. That's how you go viral. That's how you go viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the only thing is, I gotta let you know. There's a. So you have to cross over a, a little small stream. And the bridge that they have there, it ain't the most stable. So just be careful if you guys uh, take yourselves out there. But it's a lot of fun. It's right. it's definitely a, a whole experience to just, you've seen the scene so many times and just the way it looks and actually be there was surreal. Kind of, I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, real quick, to so wrap it up, we, we, did, uh, we did get to link up with Scotty Baldwin. Had a great lunch and some good conversation. He's going to be back on the show soon enough. And uh, we also got to link up with uh, Chaz, uh, you know, Justice for Chaz. And he invited us over to the crib. And, you know, it was so cool. We just really uh, came over and got to chop it up. Uh, he jumped on the drums. He got a, a drum set in his living room. Yes, and I swear that was the, wild. The brother just launched into like a mini concert. Actually, what he was saying was he was telling us a story about uh, him possibly, he wanted to play drums on the Prince album. No, the was it for you, I believe. Yeah, for and you. So he just started at the top <laughs> and started playing the drums to the first couple songs and was literally just going through the song. I was like, wow, like 
it was just it was a trip. Like he was going in. Uh I did not expect that, but it was great. And salute to his wife, uh, Vicky. So much hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, just real cool people. And that was a treat as well. Go ahead. And one one thing I absolutely add is I think every man should want a, a Vicky in their lives. She <laughs> was, and what I mean by that is that she is just as committed to finding out what happened to Cousin Prince as Chaz is. And, you know, salute. Because, uh, you know, I, it, it can be kind of easy to say, well, that's your family. I'll let you handle that. Or, you know, to, to talk talk you down and, like, you know, let it go. Let it, but salute to to that woman she's standing by her husband and yeah we going we going to get all the information we going to do everything that we can get absolutely and now you know they they got a lot of stuff going on with that and working diligently uh one thing i was super impressed was and we had just been watching the was it the king richard movie we're, we're watching something yeah it was king richard king richard and i was making a thing to say the wife in that was really serving you know her husband and other people and I was like you don't really see a lot when you go to somebody's house you don't it's old school way as you know the mother of the house or we always you need something got something baby you need something to drink today and when we went over Chaz's that was that vibe. you know she had that feeling like oh y'all want something to drink even if you was to say no, no, you don't want something to drink. You sure you don't want? Some? I'm getting you something to drink, and then just like I was like, man, that was, that was so dope. Like, yeah. you know, you know, you're gonna be good when you come over here. I got you, and that you don't see that a lot. So I was like, yeah, man, I I, I love this. You know, this is this is a home right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got the traditional family values popping off. Uh, the, the daughter, the young daughter came through and just the respect. And I was like, yo, aside from all this Prince shit and all that, these are real people. And I just, I was so appreciative that they would allow us to come in and to experience and be a part of that. So that, that was a super salute uh, to Chaz and his family. Um, man, that's all I really got, brother. That's all I got. Unless you got something else you want to bring up. I, I will say this, and I'm just letting you know. Michael Dean can be a handful over three days, especially if you give him the auxiliary cord. Because <laughs> don't let this Prince shit fool you and this real music for real musicians and Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony this Tony. brother got a whole... Yeah, yeah, you be repping for Tony, Tony, Tony. Like, yeah, all that. This brother got a whole West Coast playlist of gangster DPG shit that I, I ain't even heard half the stuff. So don't don't let don't let the uh, the gray hair fool you. He young Hilarious. at heart with this gangster shit. Oh, that's well, shit. That's my time. <laughs> the 90s or early 80s. I was shit. I was bumping all that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, God damn. Okay. <laughs> I guess we all got a little hood in us. Uh, yeah, I mean. But anyway, okay. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this podcast here and, and and again i would say man if you haven't been to paisley park you owe it to yourself to go and check that out you know go to, go take the tour it's it's awesome go see some of the stuff around town um that that city it just always proves that city man owes a lot to prince man he put them on the map in a major way um and going to that little town of henderson and the scene they got a black man mural on the town's a little town 
that they have it there and showing them love and you go to the gift shop. I was like, oh man, he, yeah, he, he, he did. He done brought so much light to that city. Man, they should always roll the red carpet out for that brother, his family, and whoever else. Because even today, we come in there spending money at that place. And nobody would have been coming there if he hadn't did what he did. So salute to them. Keep it at 1,000. I ain't never planning on going back to Minneapolis unless it's some Prince-related stuff. So, All right. Yeah. And I would also say this. I heard we shouldn't go to the north side. But the next time we're going back to, we're going to the north side because the non-north side's food eateries have a lot to be desired. All right. And with that, we're about to get up out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, you already know. Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.